coming to get you, Barbara. Oh, that's creepy. <laughs> I love it, though. Now me, I not only drink really, I really drink. We are Buzz on Movies. All right, welcome to Buzzed on Movies. I'm Teddy. And I'm Matt. We're just a couple of former projectionists. We like to hang out. Um, we like to drink a couple beers. And we like to talk movies. And we hope that you will enjoy coming along the ride with us. Yeah, looking forward to it. So, what have you seen this week? So, this week, uh, I actually have seen a decent amount, it feels like. I got out to the movies a few times. And I was able to watch a few things uh, on various streaming platforms. Uh, highlights of the week for me. Uh, I did see Anna and the Apocalypse, as I promised last week, uh, which I thoroughly enjoyed. And I implore you to see it ASAP. It was yeah. a great time. It was a blast. Uh, I had so much fun watching that movie. It was really well acted. It was well directed. The songs were really catchy. I really didn't want to like the music as much as I did because, you know, <laughs> musical songs can be cheesy, yada, yada, yada. But they were really fun. They were really funny. The violence in it was pretty awesome. There was a <laughs> lot of blood. Some and It's pretty hilarious the way it's done because it definitely sort of leads up in one one way. And then all of a sudden it just like turns. So it's really fun. It's a fun movie to watch. And it's a great christmas movie sort of actually i know it is literally a christmas movie but you don't expect a zombie musical to actually be good at being a christmas movie i thought this one actually kind of did a good job so yeah i was, was like fun. a good unconventional christmas movie i think that movie is just opening up here this weekend so i'm definitely going to try to check it out yeah you should and ignore uh, the negative reviews that you might see. There are a few. Most of them hate uh, this movie because it's called University Uni. That's what I find. So <laughs> let's all uh, get over that real quick. So. It's a very odd complaint. What a strange... Imagine just like complaining about the slang in a movie and thinking that that's a valid criticism. Right. Those people but, uh, must have hated Clockwork Orange. No, I don't want... Don't even get started. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, um, otherwise, this week, uh, you know, uh, we'll get to it later, but we both saw Wreck-It Ralph and Cam this week. So yeah. those are some big ones that we're planning to talk about. Uh, I did watch uh, on Netflix, Alex Strangelove. Um, wasn't mm -hmm. a huge fan of it, but I did watch it. So there's that. Yeah, yeah that and, was another one under consideration for uh, when we're looking for a gay movie for last week. That's true. And I began a journey through Rob Zombie in chronological order, starting oh, with House yes. of a Thousand Corpses. So fantastic! I've seen great movie. I think everything he's done, but I figured it would be fun to watch in chronological order with everything in mind, having seen his full body of work already. Yeah, you know, a lot of times I've skipped around. I definitely didn't see House of a Thousand Corpses as soon as it came out. I'm pretty sure I saw Devil Rejects before I ever saw House of a Thousand Corpses. So, yeah, I still need to see Thirty One. Oh man, you do. I'll let you know when I'm getting around to 31. Maybe we can both try to time it. Oh yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. Um, 31 is uh, something else. I have seen it, but I'll reserve my thoughts for another time. Maybe another episode. Yeah. So yeah, I also saw Cam and Wreck-It Ralph this week. Um, obviously Cam on Netflix and Wreck-It Ralph in the theater. 
Um, Wreck-It Ralph I saw in 3D, which is the first 3D movie I've seen in a very long time. Um, oh, yeah. I also saw it in 3D, actually. Yeah. Um, I also saw uh, The Front Runner just last night, um, the, uh, the Gary Hart movie. Don't really have much to say about that. It was kind of eh, but yeah, Hugh Jackman's good. Got to see him. I'm good in there. for him. Another um, Les Miserables veteran <laughs> connecting to the last episode. Oh, yeah. um, what do you What do you want to talk about first? We want to break down Cam. Let's uh, yeah. Why not? Let's Let's jump right into Cam. I think there's a lot to be said about Cam. Yeah, it's it was definitely an interesting film. So for those of you who don't know, Cam is about a young woman who for a living, she, you know, broadcasts on a camming website uh, to basically she's a young woman broadcasting to a bunch of young, horny men. We assume young. I say that and they're definitely not young. So we're definitely not young, (laughs) not young at all. That's not the case. However, a bunch of horny men and that's who she's broadcasting to. And she, uh, she has a, a a unique twist on her live shows, I would say. She um she, you know, she's like being like a little flirtatious coy sexy girl, but um at the end of most of her shows she kills herself. I don't really understand. I mean, that's we can get into what that was supposed to be all about, obviously. Right. But that seem I mean, it opens with that premise uh I guess we should have led with spoiler alert because the opening sort of is supposed to be suspenseful, I think. But (laughs) um, alert for Cam and uh, Ralph breaks the Internet coming up. Honestly, it should just be spoiler alert for any of the movies that we discuss. We're going to spoil them. Um, But moving on. So she she is camming on these websites and she, you know, she always like gets the guys worked up. And then in the end, you know, she like does something dramatic and violent and there's blood. I don't know how she fakes some of it. I don't know. It's pretty crazy. The things she does Uh, at one point, one of her friends is like, Oh, I couldn't do your queasy shows, which is true. I can't imagine doing that. Anyway, as she's in the course of her time doing this at some point, uh, she is locked out of her account. And it turns out that someone or something is in her account posing as her, Uh, going live as her it looks exactly like her and so the whole point of the movie is her trying to figure out who has taken over her account who is getting the money that she is owed things like that uh and it becomes increasingly bizarre i would say you know the more you learn about what's going on the weirder it gets yeah so yeah getting down to her unique style of performance in this um she does yeah in the opening scene uh sort of like slice her throat seemingly with a knife after get seemingly getting into an altercation with one of the um guys who were chatting with her in the stream um it later turns out like that was staged and um so was her actually slicing her throat obviously but she um uses like special effects blood to make it seem pretty real um, she definitely seems to have a lot of talents in uh, like makeup and costuming. She has a lot of like different themed shows that she puts on, which is kind of interesting. But basically, this thing 
that's copying her, like sort of steals her whole style and does like a very extreme version of it at times. Right. So getting to your point, you mentioned um, her, her skill with makeup and things like that. I actually think that's an important point because I think a lot of this movie has to do with identity and how we make up our own identity. Sometimes willingly, you know, consciously we are choosing to be something that we're not and present as something And I think that's what a lot of that is about. She is actively presenting this identity to the internet. I think the movie is really skeptical of her doing that. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's only skeptical. I do think the movie is also embracing her for who she is and thinks that, you know, you know, if you are, if that's what makes you strong, I do think that the movie accepts that too, you know, but I think that, uh, I do think that's actually an important thing is that, it's just an important side note that she is really good at making herself up and creating all of these weird like costumes and not costumes necessarily, but you know, like makeup designs for herself. I do also think it's important that the makeup designs she creates are these weird, violent, like her neck bleeding out things. I think that, um, I mean, it's a little obvious, but the metaphor that like, she's basically like killing herself for this thing that she's doing on the internet. Right. Um, And we see a lot of her, sort of like paranoid and going crazy just trying to get uh you know she wants she spends a lot of the movie wanting to break into a certain like top 50 on like the most popular cam girls on this website and i think that that's like a lot of like her like violent tendencies on the the when she's chatting can be seen as sort of a metaphor for the way that she's she's really like breaking herself doing this all the time you know and you see it in her interactions with other people too she'll be like talking to her friend on the phone or something and she'll be like oh i gotta go i think i need to get back online you know she's not really letting herself have that sort of divide between her real life and her internet life i think at times yeah it's clearly like taking over her whole life and um like most of the people in her life outside of the camming world don't seem to know what she's doing i mean certainly her mom doesn't know i think her brother knows yeah that's an uh, odd an odd reality that her brother knows about this yeah i thought that was pretty strange i can't imagine telling my siblings that i was actually performing on like a pornographic i mean basically pornographic sexual based yeah cam chatting website i mean that would just be bizarre especially yeah i don't know i that was strange i don't know how close they are (laughs) i couldn't do it i mean she like is eager to show him stuff from this this her her latest performance at one point in the show in the movie she's like oh look at what i did it's like what (laughs) this is your brother (laughs) yeah and um so there's uh, a big scene where uh, the brother's friends find one of her videos online uh, and it's not actually her at this point it's whatever is taken over her account uh, that posted this video uh, pretending to be her and the the friends have found it and they're all showing each other and the getting a fight with the brother over it and then it gets revealed to her mother and it's this whole big scene but well it was kind of strange to me because it like it's played off like this is the fallout of what's what's happening because this 
thing is taken over account but really like this could have just as easily happened without have her account ever having been taken over like the friends could have just found a video of hers anyway because she's pretty popular cam girl um it's kind of strange that they hadn't already found that i guess and there's not really any reason why they should have found it now that her account's been taken over well i mean obviously when her account is taken over one of the things that happens is it does rise in popularity pretty quickly yeah. uh, the moment this thing takes over her account it's climbing the ranks um <clears throat> so they're probably more likely to see it i guess is one thing it also True. is interesting that it happens like this thing goes live while she's in these situations where she really doesn't want this thing to be live such as at her brother's birthday party with her brother's horny teen friends who are watching <laughs> that sort of stuff at two in the afternoon or whatever while they're at a birthday party i don't know what's wrong with them high school boys are gross but i don't know it that was definitely a strange scene I think that I don't know. It made it made her plight way more sympathetic. Just like immediately. I mean, that's horrifying. Right. I can't imagine <laughs> that happening. Not that her plight wasn't sympathetic in the first place. Uh, I I mean, just from a horror standpoint, the idea of logging into your account online and finding out that somebody has completely taken it over, including taking over your face and going yeah. live with it, would I mean, it would distress me. I gotta say. Yeah, so I do think a large part of the film is about um, online identity and uh, the value that we place behind that. Um, sort of nowadays, it is possible to a certain extent for someone to basically steal your entire identity online. It would be pretty easy for someone to pose as you online, certainly not doing something like this, but using your social media accounts, for example. So it in that way, I think the film is largely about just the different ways that you can lose your identity. No, I completely agree. I mean, all, so much of her identity is based in pleasing these random guys on the internet. Yeah. Which is, I think, I think that's obviously a dangerous way to maintain your identity, to make it about pleasing other people. I think that's... I think we can all agree that that's not really what anyone's identity should be. And I think the movie is, of course, critical of the way that she does that. I think the movie is also respectful of the fact that she's doing something that does make her happy and it makes her money. So it's not necessarily inherently a bad thing. It's just there has to be a line at some point. Right. You know, you can't just live your life only on the internet, pleasing these random strangers. And that actually... Speaking of those strangers, there's one in particular who goes by the handle Tink, which is a really bizarre thing. I don't know why he goes by Tink. Yeah. I don't get that. Every his, time he said it, I thought about Tinkerbell, uh, which well, is maybe his, his a full, comparison. His full handle was Tinkerboy, I think. Which is, I mean, still also, obviously, I feel like that's still a reference to Tinkerbell, yeah. personally. Yeah, it is. But, like... I, I, why would you make that your handle? Right. Kind of but it is, I mean, it's sort of, it almost makes sense in that he's the one who is like her henchman when she's like planning like that, like throat slitting sequence. He's the one who like starts jesting it on the internet and like who like gets into that altercation with her that leads to her doing that. Um, right. You know, so he's like sort of like 
her henchmen to her Peter Pan, which is kind of a weird thing. I mean, I, I, I don't know. There's something weird going on with the two of them. And he he's a strange character in this movie because he's simultaneously, I think he might actually care about her, but also be completely creepy and gross. Yeah, he, he does care about her, but he expresses it in like the creepiest way possible. And he obviously has his own ulterior motives as well. He's not just interested in helping her out. He uh, he very much wants to uh, be with her. And one of the things that happens as a result of this entity, I guess, that takes over her account is so she has these rules uh, on what she won't do on her account. And the entity basically starts breaking those immediately uh, and getting a lot more views for it, pretty much. But her rules are basically nothing in public, no telling her viewers that she loves them. And what was the third one? Do you remember? Uh, she doesn't fake her orgasms. Yeah, no fake orgasms. That one doesn't really end up being impactful, but the entity does do some public stuff uh, in a library. And also, at some point that we don't see, um, tells the Tinker Boy that she loves him and that she wants to be with him or something like that because he shows up at her mom's hair salon at like with flowers and is all like oh you said we were going to be together now and clearly at that point well that's actually kind of confusing though because so he he seems to be fooled by um by this entity right right that, like he thinks that it that it's her talking to him that that she wants to be with him but then later it's revealed that he kind of knows what's going on, right? So he absolutely knew what was going on. I would argue that when he shows up with those flowers and stuff, that was pretty much right after the entity had taken over. It's possible he hadn't realized yet. Maybe, yeah. Uh, he just wasn't aware that this had happened. So I think yeah, that's, I guess that's plausible. The, the most likely solution there. He might have realized right after that, though, basically. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but it, it's clear that he has designs on her, um, and he shows up near the end. He's staying in a motel in the town that she lives in, which he's basically moved to her town. Yes, like just sort of on the fly. Uh, and he says it's to help her with this, but he made no point of going to talk to her about it. He didn't bother to do anything when things started spiraling downhill in her life. So, yeah, very clearly not. He had some other reasons for being there. Yeah. She like sees him in a store, like watching her just out of the blue. And then later she tracks him down at a motel when he's basically the only one that she can go to. Um, and he says he's going to help her. But then he's like in the bathroom jacking off to the fake version of her and like having a private session with her. Which he knew but, at this point was fake. I mean, yeah, he had he, to because she was sleeping in the room next to him. Yeah, he absolutely knew. And she did like explain the whole thing to him at that point. But like, I guess he didn't even care. Like it was all I mean, it's all about the fantasy to him. Right. Like he's got the real girl right there in the room but 
it's the online version that's going to fulfill all his fantasies. So that's the right. one he's going with. So yeah, there's definitely something there about online pornography and fantasy fulfillment. But yeah, she runs off pretty quickly after that. I mean, rightfully so. Yeah. <laughs> she, I would run off after that too. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. seems really creepy. Yeah, it's it was upsetting. And um, I mean, you think that maybe this might be your only chance for somebody who's going to help you. And then it turns out they're just like obsessed with this weird version of you that is online that you know isn't the real you, but you've presented it as the real you. So nobody else can say it's not the real you. I don't know. Yeah. It's very, it's very complicated, I guess. This identity thing for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So his character is portrayed somewhat sympathetically sometimes. Like he's he's sort of the the pushover viewer when she uh is going after like the big whales who are spending tons of coins on her views. He sort of gets pushed to the wayside, so you're meant to sort of feel sorry for him. But also, he's like very creepy sometimes. So yeah, I mean, he's, he's really possessive and weird. Yeah, and I mean, but, he's not the worst. He's not as bad as um that scary older man she goes on a date with. Yeah, he's just like full on rapey. Yeah, I mean, he and, attacks like, her in a bathroom. Yeah, and so I guess you know the movie is definitely skeptical of the types of people you meet on the internet. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Not really any good ones there. No. Um, at least the view. I mean, there's they're the only two viewers we really see. Everyone else, you just sort of see. You see the chats of a lot of people. And I thought the right. way they did the chat in the film was really good. Like, they managed to make text on a screen sort of interesting. And that's always the big challenge with showing the internet or texting in a movie. Um, is that you have to find an interesting way of making text on a screen visually appealing. And I thought they did it pretty well, just showing like quick flashes of the chat and like close-ups of animated GIFs. There were a lot of GIFs in this uh, movie. Yes. <laughs> lots of GIFs, some of them a very suggestive nature. But they made it kind of fun. They, they made what would have otherwise been just like a movie about chatting online. Uh, they made it visually appealing. So I thought that was cool. I do. I think, I think there were, uh, I mean, the directing here was strong in general. I mean, think about the amount of time you spend with just our lead, you know, like in her room, it starts to feel like you start to feel like sort of isolated and claustrophobic too. Like you're watching right. this other person take over her life and she's alone in her bedroom, which looks exactly like this other bedroom that you're seeing on the screen, which is kind of upsetting. So it, yeah, I think uh, the directing here was strong all around. I think they knew how to build tension and keep you sort of like locked in um, while giving you pretty things to look at. There were a lot of like warm colors, you know, pinks and reds, which makes sense. It was the erotic flair, I guess. Yeah, the color schemes in this movie were very interesting. They did a lot with the lighting in um, her room in particular to make it seem kind of spooky and dark, but also like a little bit sexy at the same time. Right. <laughs> Which is sort of just the overall mood of the film, I'd say. It's uh, spooky and dark, but a little bit sexy. Yeah. It's Sums also it the up. title of my memoir forthcoming. <laughs> All right. 
in bookstores in 2019. We'll see. 2019 is ambitious. All right. 2020. Yeah, that seems more like it. All right. So, yeah. And there's that scene um, where she's basically playing cat and mouse with the entity in order towards to get, the end. Yeah, towards the end to get her account back. I couldn't really tell. Like, is this thing supposed to be malevolent? Like, I so it's... I think that's uh, one of the big questions of the film is whether or not this thing really has any sort of consciousness the way we know it. It seems like it is purely imitation. Right. And then from imitation, it just like sort of extrapolates what would be next and does it. Right. You know? Because there's a couple scenes where, you know, she talks to it directly through uh, someone else's cam. And, you know, you sort of expect that scene like in a horror movie where all of a sudden the entity gets spooky and is right. like... Uh, you're never getting your life back or something like that. But it she never does that. She's the the entity a- acts essentially like she does. It's just like kind of friendly and just like fun, flirty. Right. Um, not seeming to be evil at all, except for the fact that she's obviously just taken over this person's life. Right. So I thought that was pretty interesting. I think that for from everything you see of this entity it's not like an inherently evil being it's not trying to be evil right it seems like it's like i don't know how to explain it though then because it's like this weird like anomaly that has been born of you know these chat rooms that just like takes over random girls lives i don't i don't know yeah and obviously they don't really make it clear how this thing operates whether it's a program or a demon or some other sort of creation, which is why we are calling it an entity because there's basically, there's not a real word for it that's at least given to us in the movie, but right. um, it is some sort of presence that see. And, and it's not the first time that it's happened either. Apparently um, as a uh, tinker boy reveals uh, he's seen it happen with a number of other cam accounts who've had their um, their accounts basically copied. One of whom even, who's the um, the number one camera at the time, turns out to be um, a copy of a girl who's actually dead. So at the at that case, the entity has basically kept it going even after her death. Right. And that's, yeah, so that's kind of a strange thing, right? That kind of makes the entity seem a little more pure evil. Yeah, maybe. Once you're continuing the, like, imitation after this person has passed. And I guess it raises the question of how much was the entity responsible for it, too? You know, this this girl's death. Yeah. There, it's not really definitely... clear what happened to her. So. Yeah, there's some sort of car crash, right? But it it doesn't go into the details at all, and you do have to wonder, like, did they cause this somehow? Right, right. But yeah, basically. So at the end, she gets into this sort of cat and mouse situation where they're both on the cam in front of all the viewers. Um, with a bunch of mirrors. With the, yeah, with a mirror <laughs> and the screen. It's a pretty complicated setup. 
Yes. With the mirror and the screen and the camera um, that somehow all works out. So they're basically side by side on the screen. And then they challenge each other to do things like blow a kiss to the viewers and stuff like that. And then, wait, what's her name again? The lead? Yeah. Anna or something? Uh, something like that. She is. Lola is her Lola. online. Lola person. is her handle. Right. And the but real... her real name is yeah no Lola's good. Okay. And then the real Lola basically starts slamming her face into the desk, like breaking her nose. It's a pretty me. violent break too. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's gruesome. She's like losing a lot of blood. Yeah. Um, and then the entity has to copy her. But when it goes to slam into the desk, it doesn't like break the nose, but then the break appears later. Like there's like a, a computer glitch over her face and then it appears. It's really yeah. weird. It's um, really weird. And it's like this like weird, like slow, just like reaction. I don't know. It's that was that. Yeah, that was disturbing. Yeah. And then so basically she yeah, she wins this dare contest or um imitation game or whatever and her request is to get the password back to the account and then she deletes it essentially, right. you know, destroying her online persona. Right. It's a strange the whole ending was kind of strange. Yeah. She deletes her her previous persona, which vanquishes whatever this strange entity was, presumably. But right. then she restarts everything. Yeah, she dyes her hair, I guess. Um, yep. Gets a, gets a new real-life identity, too, which is, I mean, I don't know how far she goes. She might just get a fake ID, but she at least has to have an ID to show the cam site. Right. Um, right. She has a new ID with her with the blonde hair and, you know, like disguise and a new name. And it's different from her new online name as well. Right. And so, that, yeah, that's weird. I mean, it, yeah, I guess a lot. I mean, identity is malleable, especially in the internet age. So I guess a part of that is just like if you, I mean, if you need to change it, you can. So you just sort of shift. Right, yeah. But yeah, th there's clearly a lot of playing around with identity and what it means and how disposable it is. You know, whether you can just pick up and start a new identity, which she clearly seems to be doing at least online at the end. She starts up a new campsite. Right. I think it's interesting that when she's doing that at the end, um, her like mom's involved. Yeah. Like her mom is helping her get ready and knows that she's about to go and like do this like sexy cam performance. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that that's one of the reasons that I think that the ending isn't totally like pessimistic for her for having like restarted the process and make giving herself this new identity all over again. I think that the fact that she let her mom in is important. I think it's showing like she's not just letting it consume her. It's now just like a part of her. Right. She's like close to people again. <laughs> yeah. It's a little mixed because like on the one hand, it's clear like she's uh, she's all in on this. Like she wants to keep doing this despite 
that how damaging it almost was and was in some ways. Um, but on the other hand, like, yeah, now she, her mom knows about it and is helping her. Um, it seems to be at least somewhat positive there that like, this is something that she clearly just wants to keep doing cause she enjoys it. Right. I mean, she obviously really likes it, so she's going to keep doing it. And she's just changed herself in order to be able to. It's a strange because I, I, I feel like the movie is critical of that sort of identity shifting. But at the same time, I think the movie is also supportive of her for making her choice. Mm-hmm. It's I don't know. I think the ending's a little complicated. Yeah. Now, the screenwriter of this movie was uh, a former cam girl herself. Yeah, I did know that, which I think is really cool. I mean, I think it. It just adds a level of authenticity to the film, you know? Right. It also makes it clear that this is about some real anxieties that I think people might have when they do this sort of thing a lot. Yeah. I mean, I think there's clearly a lot of insight here uh, into what it's actually like. Um, You know, it's not like glamorized or made to look like super spooky and weird and like this dark corner of the internet. Like it's, it seems pretty uh, realistic in its depiction, at least of like the lifestyle of a cam worker. Um, Obviously it gets to be a lot more dramatic than that, but um, (laughs) at least in terms of depicting like the day to day life. Right. Right. Well, did you have anything else you would like to add about Cam? I think that about sums it up for me. I I just thought it was um it was spooky, it was weird, but it it was interesting and uh definitely a good look at identity in the internet age. Yeah, I think I agree with you. I think that it wasn't you know, it wasn't exactly what I would call like groundbreaking in its thematic explorations. I think that things like Black Mirror and stuff have been doing this for a few years now. Right. Um, but I do think it's still a worthwhile and interesting topic to be exploring in 2018 and soon to be 2019 because it's, I mean, our internet use isn't going down. It's, you know, so this is going to continue to be a question that we need to answer is how much time should we spend and how much is too much investment in our online identities? Yeah. I think this movie raises those questions. I don't think it has a neat answer necessarily. Uh, but I think it's trying to push you to ask yourself. So, because uh, I think it can be different from person to person, probably. True. Yeah. And we've definitely been seeing a lot of movies coming out about uh, the internet these days. Um, Unfriended Dark Web was uh, <laughs> sort of a similar picture that came out earlier this year. Was Unfriended Dark Web similar? Um, I mean, in some ways, it had a lot of scenes of people talking on cam um sure but it also had some like weird like scary assassin's creed members who could like walk in front of a camera and everything suddenly went pixely so yeah well there's a similarity right there things went pixely in this movie when spooky stuff happened yeah but she was like a scary demon entity so yeah well pixels are spooky that's that's a common theme pixels are Uh, spooky or spooky. <laughs> and that was more of a found footage film where this is just shot pretty straightforwardly. Right, right. 
but yeah, that was good. We had um, friend request last year, which is a terrible movie. Um, terrible movie. There's like terrible, one terrible good movie. sequence in that entire film. That was all about social media. Oh, yeah, that was about social media. That was a strange movie. I don't okay. understand why that movie got released <laughs> into like theaters. I mean, like, yeah, what a yeah. weird. That seemed like classic direct to DVD fare, but there yeah. I was watching it in the theater. Yeah, not, I don't understand that one. Yeah, and then we have um, another much more recent film about the internet, which we're going to talk about today is Ralph Breaks the Internet. All right. This, and I'm going to lead into this by saying I think this may be the best movie made about the internet yet. Just what? in terms, yes, I I do believe that's true. Just in terms nah. of just encapsulating everything that the internet's about, I think it's I think it's pretty good. I mean, it's you know it's a sanitized vision of it certainly, but I think it nails the culture pretty well. It's just so the the sanitization is a bit too much for me to say that it's like the best take on the internet. Yeah, I mean, it is a kids movie, so yeah. and the internet. I mean. But even for like a kid's world, like often the internet is not a strictly friendly place. Kids get exposed to too much on the internet all the time. Well, and there's parts that are that are scary about it. Like there's the uh, the giant Ralph monster. Okay, it, well, like that can be we of... can talk about the climax in a bit when we when uh-huh. we decide we want to talk about the DC expanded universe for a little while because <laughs> uh, that's what the whole thing felt like to me. But right. <laughs> um the like this like I don't know. I I do think it had. I mean, I do think it was a good, a good take on the internet. I thought that it was like a really fun way of looking at the internet too. You know, I yeah. I was like a kid in a candy store. I'd like look around this like the internet city that they went to, and I'd be like, oh look over there, that's Instagram. Oh, that's eBay. Uh, you know, I was like super excited about it. So don't get me wrong. Right. I just I don't know if it really understands the internet the best out of all of the movies about the internet. Uh, I thought the best part of it was when they were at this YouTube, um, at the YouTube clone that they were trying to get his viral videos, a lot of likes on that was sort of like the, the best. I thought that was a good depiction of what uh, trying to make your video go viral might look like. Yeah, I do agree with that. I thought that was a really good, a really good part. I know that Ralph at that point. So I guess in summary of the plot of this film in the first place, right. uh, Ralph is trying to buy. So Ralph in his endless efforts to please everyone ends up inadvertently breaking Vanellope's game, uh, Sugar Rush. And they need a new steering wheel for it in order for people outside of, you know, the, the humans who play the arcade games to play it need yeah. a new uh, steering wheel. And the only way to get a steering wheel is through eBay. And it's a lot of money more than the shop, the arcade owner is willing to pay. So Ralph and Vanellope go into the internet to find a way to get to eBay and buy this, this stupid controller. And, Ah oh, crap! What? Where were we? What? Why was I explaining how we got here? Um, we're looping back around from talking about um, his quest to make viral videos. 
Oh, right, um, right. So, so uh, he, doesn't he have has to make money. a ton of money to get this yeah. controller because Ralph and Vanellope and their endless wisdom think that eBay auctions are like a prize. You know, you want to yell the highest number. They don't right. think that you actually have to pay that amount. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I think that um, like that whole concept like of like, you have to then like make all of these ridiculous viral videos that you know, really don't do anything for you or for anyone just to get likes is kind of, you know, it's a, I think that's a good take on the internet that the way that we are all so eager to please everybody the moment we log on. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I thought the way that the way they treat links and pop-ups was a pretty interesting visual depiction of that. They have when a user goes to a new site um, they basically like this little vehicle pops around them and whisks them off to their new destination. Yes. Um, and the pop-ups are like these guys running around with signs, trying to put them in front of your face, trying to get you to click on them. <laughs> and then if you do, they whisk you away to their site. Um, yeah. And I, I thought those were interesting depictions. I also like, I liked how they, would pop back into the real world sometimes so you could see like what the weird stuff that was happening in the movie looks like in the real world when the sites suddenly stop working um, <laughs> because they get, um, I don't know. What's the, what's the scene where, where everybody's browsers just stop working for some reason. Um, in, in, in this movie. Yeah. Uh, that was when, wasn't that when the Ralph virus is <laughs> yeah, going yeah, around? Yeah, giant Ralph virus. Um, so, which yeah, we, but that's a whole a whole thing because yeah. the purpose of the Ralph virus is because he and his endless insecurity thought Vanellope was not going to want to be friends with him. Yeah. So, so he creates this virus. Right. So when Vanellope is um, in the internet trying to, find the steering wheel she finds a racing game online um that is a basically a very violent um action-packed um realistic racing game Mm -hmm. Um, and then she just loves it she can't get enough of it and she basically wants to stay here rather than going back to sugar rush um and ralph feels like he's losing her and he is very determined to uh, keep a hold of her. So he goes to a, pl- a place where they make viruses and basically decides to give the game that she likes a virus so that um, she'll have to come back to Sugar Rush. Um, but he inadvertently creates this giant well um so the virus works by (laughs) replicating weaknesses that it finds it finds like a vulnerability and then it replicates it um in in throughout its environment so originally it's just supposed to uh damage the game and break it down but it gets outside of the internet i mean it gets outside of the game into the internet at large and it replicates ralph's insecurity 
into this giant um, Ralph monster, which is basically <laughs> a huge version of Ralph made up of many thousands and thousands of regular sized Ralphs all like crawling over each other. Oh God. Like some sort of Bosch nightmare. Um, <laughs> and yeah, that was an extremely surreal moment in that movie. <laughs> oh, I do agree with that. The, yeah. the whole like suddenly Ralph and Penelope are like hardcore fighting and then they're like physically fighting this giant thing was very sudden and strange to me. Um, yeah. It, like the, the way the ending sort of turned like that did feel a little jarring, in my opinion. Because, you, you know, this giant Ralph monster. <laughs> <laughs> it just kind of looks like something walked out of like season three of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers or something. Like it's yeah. Like, you know? Oh, man. That's um, a weird weird thing what did you think about um vanellope choosing to stay in in that like violent grand theft auto game i mean it was an interesting choice for the movie first of all for a disney pixar movie to suddenly show this game where or i guess it's not pixar but you know what i mean disney game is it pixar uh it's disney yeah okay just disney right Mm-hmm. good okay um so i thought okay so um it's this like Disney movie and it's this character who's like this little girl who like loves candy or whatever. And she, (laughs) she is now deciding to stay in basically grand theft auto, which features characters getting blowtorched and a main character called shank. Um, (laughs) Yeah. um, It was definitely an interesting choice for the movie to take. And I mean, I think of course the movie is trying to talk about like, personal autonomy and picking places that make you happy but it was a a strange i don't know i thought it was a little weird yeah that the movie was like yeah stay here this is great yeah i don't know i thought that was kind of weird but you know it's clearly she is supposed to be picking her own path in a way by deciding to stay there uh i don't know if in the original movie she showed this real love of violence she just no sort of like she's she liked racing really fast i guess it's something different for her but um you do have to wonder like is she just gonna get bored with this game too right it's not like like i think what she was missing the most in candy crush was variety because they only had so many tracks and she had done them all a thousand times right but um presumably there's similar limitations to this game if not quite so many maybe but still some right i mean there must be yeah but who knows um more power to her choosing to be in this new race Uh, you do have to wonder like do if she's so she's in this game as like a small pixelated child basically um <laughs> alongside all of these like much better animated adults from the more modern game like how is how does she look visually in the game alongside the others are people like why is this one racer look 
different from all the others? <laughs> Why is this one like a 20 years older um, video game character? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's kind of weird. Oh, also, the um, the Disney princess section. Oh, yeah, uh, that is worth. We're going to need to talk about that. Yes. It's just like the whole, the moment, the moment they announce that they're going to like whatever www.disney.com or wherever they say, however they say it. I was like, I'm already sort of rolling my eyes. Like, do we, do we actually have to go there? Oh, it was worse than that. They, they go to Oh My Disney, which is Okay, Disney's, it's called Oh My Disney, yeah. Yeah, it's Disney's real life, like, super meme fan site that they run. Oh, God. <laughs> well... So, it's clearly a plug for that as well as yes. a plug for their brand in general. Right. It's just like the whole thing is very obviously a plug the moment they get there. Yeah. Like, you know, she walk like walks at the door and it's immediately like you're greeted by like Toy Story characters and then stormtroopers, which are like yeah. the most obvious choices it could have made. Like, yeah, it's all their most popular properties. They've got Star Wars. They got the Marvel stuff. Right. They've got um, the princesses. Right. Uh, and it's just, it feels a lot like Ready Player One, you know, where they're just sort of throwing pop culture at you, just like, here, have some of this. You like right. this stuff, don't you? Ha And you're just like, <laughs> what? What is it? Like, it's just, it's, it's so surreal just to see it all mashed up like that, especially like, so at least in that, in uh, Ready Player One is like sort of a fan film of sorts. Like that movie wasn't made by the same people who made The Shining or um, whatever, all the like the Iron Giant or any of the other things that they reference in that movie. It's just made by someone who clearly probably likes that stuff a little too much. Um, in this case, it's actually made by Disney, the same people that make those things so it's like super extra surreal that they're yeah. like pumping their own product like this um right. so yeah i thought that like when i first watched the trailers for this movie that seemed to be a much more prominent part of the movie um which is what originally made me uh very skeptical as to whether this movie was actually going to make any sense like it seemed like some sort of crazy fever dream when i was watching the trailers um, <laughs> and there's definitely parts of it that are still like that but i feel like as a whole the movie works pretty well and avoids that sort of fever dream characteristic but definitely the oh my disney section got a little trippy at times yeah um oh, oh one funny element from there is um when they show the outside of the site it's sort of done up like disneyland it's got the castle and everything but outside like just outside it they have a bunch of like budget motel signs and stuff clearly <laughs> meant to look like the real disneyland with all the hotels crowded around which i thought was pretty funny that is funny yeah the princesses um it was a mixed bag they were funny for the most part. I liked that they had a lot of the original voice actresses. Yeah. But it, you know, it seemed it seemed a little on the nose and sort of stuff. Like it was it was more concerned with you know making jokes about what princesses 
in Disney are like, rather than like portraying their characters very well. Mm -hmm. And also like, you're the ones who make those movies. Like, don't give me crap about like the princesses um, always needs a man to say, just stop making (laughs) the movies like that. Just, just you're the ones who made them that way. Just stop doing that. But I mean, if you want, if you want a good, like, all the princesses together hanging out having fun property i'd say this is not it i'd say go check out the web comment was it princess pocket pals something like that pocket princesses okay. that's it yeah check that out that's pretty fun um <laughs> if you're into that kind of thing but yeah if you like princesses they're in this they're hanging out they're sort of it seems now like this is sort of a trial balloon for a full-on Disney princesses team-up movie, which I'm extremely yes. skeptical of. But um, we'll just we'll see what they do with that. The director, Rich Moore, has already said, oh, if there's enough attention to this, we will definitely look at making that. So I say to you out there, don't give this the attention <laughs> that it wants. Don't do it just we're talking about it now but after this like we're just not going to talk about it anymore we'll just pretend this never happened and it'll go away so there there was that segment that i thought was a little off but i over oh oh yeah and um i really liked kelly mcdonald talking scottish oh yeah that was so funny that was really funny yeah that was really funny i mean a lot of the individual moments with the princesses were funny it was just the whole thing overall felt weird to me yeah exactly it was like you couldn't really like if you pick apart moment by moment it's like oh that's not that bad it's just like the whole concept as a whole it was right it's like kind of like uh right. it, and also it just it just felt a little out of place in a movie about the internet but also about you know wreck it ralph like they didn't for most of the other scenes were about like the physical structure of the internet and how it works and like the sites that we all really go to, not just about right. content, you know, like the Disney stuff is content and yeah, they touch a little on content, but it's mostly like, this is how YouTube works. <laughs> this is how eBay works. And this is like, it all comes together as like a physical world. The content stuff is more like, you know, like ready player one. So yeah, it just, it felt right. very different, but yeah, I mean, overall, I think, it works pretty well, um, like narrative wise. Like I said, I was I was pretty skeptical as to how it was all gonna hang together, but they they have a pretty good story arc. They have Ralph basically discovering that he ha- he can't always help everyone and that he can be very insecure and he needs to let that go and let people make their own right. decisions. I thought that was it was a pretty powerful and complex message for a children's movie. And I thought it was it was good that they didn't have like some big villain that they were <laughs> fighting against the whole time. Like it was more about it was a struggle to save their world from just sort of a general impending doom, but also to like solve their own interpersonal differences. Right. I thought that the the side characters from uh original Wreck-It Ralph movie didn't really have a lot to do. Like uh Fix It Felix, 
um, his whole little side plot where he's parenting the all the kid racers from Sugar Rush since they're without a home while the game's unplugged. That didn't really have a lot of meat to it. Like they sort of introduced that concept and then it just went away when they yeah, left. The they like totally sidelined every character who wasn't Ralph or Vanellope, basically from the previous movie. Yeah. Yeah. Which is probably good. Like, I feel like they, if they tried to like sort of squeeze a B plot in there, it probably wouldn't have worked very well. Um, but, it, and they do also kind of lampshade it kind of cleverly at the end where they're at like, Basically, they've discovered the secret to parenting <laughs> at the end, but we never get to see any of it. And when they're about to explain what the secret to parenting is, like all the cars rush by, so you can't uh, hear what they're saying. So, like they, they basically something incredible happened off screen that we don't get to see. So it's kind of a funny joke, but at the same time, it's like they at least had the beginnings of a plot here that they gave us, and then they just sort of abandoned it. So it it does feel a little off. Right. Yeah, but it was it was pretty much just Ralph and Vanellope's movie. Absolutely. I mean, it wasn't really about anyone else. And I mean, I guess that sort of makes sense. It is sort of a, all about their friendship. Right. But it's weird to introduce a plot about like parenting and then not be able to do anything with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, one of my favorite lines from the whole thing was in the um was in the the credit scene where um <laughs> I, th- this movie gets like really weirdly meta at times there there's a the mom and a little baby in the car and the mom's asking like how did you like the movie sweetie and she's like oh there was <laughs> there were scenes that were in the trailer that weren't in the movie <laughs> i was like oh god this is modern film criticism, isn't it? <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I I remember thinking when I walked out of this movie, like this is probably one of the better depictions of the internet I've ever seen. Just in terms of like really trying to encapsulate how it works as a world unto itself and sort of how you feel when you are online. And I thought it did that better than at least any internet-based movie I've ever seen. Like a lot of the internet movies I've seen are like horror movies, pretty much. Right. And they they center around like the bad things that can happen online, but they pretty much you know keep themselves defined to one niche. And the internet is just like an element in the story rather than a place where all of these different things happen. It's not like a world like it is in this movie, you know? Right. Um, the only other one that I've seen that's kind of like that is Ready Player One. And that just kind of sucked. So, like, <laughs> I mean, this is a good movie. So, yes, I think big difference regard, there. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's a bad representation of the Internet. I just think it's a little... You know, it's it's just the sanitization of it. Like I said earlier, yeah. I think it's it's a bit much for me. But um, it is sanitized. Yeah, and they do, but they do touch on some less than savory elements. Like they've got pop ups in there. And they've got comments. Yeah, the comments. I, I yeah, that was like one of the most like 
real moments there when Ralph sees the um, the negative comments that are being left on his videos. Um, basically, people just telling him he was stupid and whatever. Like, just all the horrible internet comments you generally expect to see. Um, and then, uh, yes, who is the, um, the algorithm in charge of taste making at this video site tells him, oh yeah, you never read the comments. Like, that's like, that's like what you learn day one on the internet. Yep. Don't. Yep. Ignore it. That was a definite, a piece of old internet wisdom passed along there. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, so like they had, they had the negative comments, they had the pop-ups, the spam. They even briefly touched on like the dark web and viruses. They obviously had a pretty cartoony view of that, but (laughs) it was there. But yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. It's it's a pretty sanitized, child friendly version of the internet. They they couldn't do like the pornography or anything like that. Obviously, oh well, yeah, it of would, course. It would be it would be interesting to see like an adult version of this movie. But then again, that's like Ready Player One. So. Right. <laughs> <laughs> We need not speak of it again. Yeah, we we actually don't need to see that. It's okay. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I can't I can't really think of another movie about the internet that really tackles it in a similar way. I guess it all boils down to what aspect of the internet you want to tackle, too, though. Right. I mean, there are so many different facets of it that you can tackle one really, really well and neglect another entirely, but that doesn't mean you're giving a bad depiction. It's just you're focusing on something different. true yeah all right so i think that about sums up ralph breaks the internet for me is there anything else you wanted to add i don't think so i think overall i liked it uh yeah that was a good movie it was cute yeah it was great it was a lot of fun like i said i was worried that it was going to be disappointed but i thought it was a pretty good follow-up it was totally different from the previous movie just had the same a couple of the same characters but in a way i thought that was good they ran very little risk of repeating themselves in this one. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you completely avoid the possibility of you getting stale quickly. So, yeah. So, um, I guess we're going to wrap up on a few pieces of news as usual. Um, I say the biggest news that's out right now is, uh, that Kevin Hart was announced to be hosting the Oscars. Um, oh boy. Sort of, there was sort of a little buzz around the past couple of weeks that they were getting kind of desperate to find someone and people were posting all sorts of uh, ridiculous takes in the media about who should be hosting. I, I saw a campaign to have a Nathan Fielder of Nathan for you host the Oscars, which I think would have been fantastic. I would be all on board <laughs> for that. I saw that as well. And that yeah. sounds amazing. Yeah. But uh, we did end up with Kevin Hart, uh, which is certainly, um, a much more traditional type of host. He's very popular. Um, he'll definitely get a lot of viewers, but um, it's quickly becoming a little bit of a controversial choice in that as is wont to happen in 2018, uh, some past uh, controversial tweets of his have surfaced specifically of a bit of a homophobic nature um so people are currently ripping into him for that online most recently as we've discovered uh jamie lee curtis 
oh, has yes. been tweeting about this. Yeah, uh, she said, uh, "Quote: Homophobia is not positivity." Uh, that's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. People are really not. I mean, they're taking them to task on the internet, as well. They should. Yeah. Um, so I guess we'll see how this will shake out. I mean, predictably, I'm expecting. Yeah, it'll be like this for a week or so, and then it'll die down. Right. But who knows? I mean, we saw what happened to James Gunn. Yeah, yeah. It's an unpredictable world we live in now. It is. Speaking of the internet, so in slightly more fun news recently (laughs) online, uh, Tom Cruise recently posted a PSA uh, in which he basically explains the con- the concept of uh, television motion smoothing to people in a pretty approachable and user-friendly way um, and basically explains why filmmakers hate it, why it sort of messes with um, their vision in a, in a pretty negative way and tries to explain how to turn it off if you can. Um, and I thought this was great because I, I really think it's something not enough people know about the number of times I've seen a TV that has this turned on. And that when you try to explain to people, they don't even know what you're talking about. So I think <laughs> anything that raises the uh, knowledge level on that is pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. I thought that was awesome. It's a great, good job. Good job, Tom. There you go, Tom Cruise. And it's good to see Tom Cruise like being concerned about something like this, something that's, you know, kind of technical, not necessarily um, in his wheelhouse, but, you know, he's very passionate about what he does. And clearly that extends all the way to motion smoothing. Yeah. So good on you, Tom. Absolutely. Keep at it. Yeah. Uh, some other news that uh, dropped this week. Um, we It was announced that Mary J. Blige is going to star in an upcoming horror film. Uh, called body cam uh, which is about a police body cam and it specifically seems to be about um some uh, police brutality specifically towards people of color which i think is sounding like mm-hmm. a great concept for a horror film um yeah you know uh following in the success of get out i think that that's a i mean i love to see horror continue to go down that road uh and keep calling out some important social issues horror has always been about social issues but really speaking to the big ones that nobody can just turn away from and pretend that it's not about a social issue would be great. Uh, right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Horror is generally one of the better and more approachable ways of uh, tackling major social issues. Um, has been since horror has been around. Yeah. Uh, and we're definitely seeing a lot of highly political and um, relevant horror films that have come out in the past couple of years. So this could be added to that growing list. Yeah. I'm certainly excited. It's being described as potentially being a mix between get out and end of watch, which was, um, that handheld footage based, um, cop drama movie that came out thriller really. Yeah. It was yeah. A cop thriller that came out a few years ago. Fantastic movie. Yeah. Lots that was, of fun. um, Jake Gyllenhaal, um, Michael Pena. Yeah, is that, yeah. Jake yeah. Gyllenhaal, Michael Pena. Yeah. yeah. Um, so if this is anything like that, I I think it could be pretty great. Yeah, I'm super excited. It uh, 
one of the more exciting horror prospects on the horizon right now, I'd say. Um, right. Some other news, you know, I'm sure everyone knows the Captain Marvel trailer dropped. So check that out if you haven't seen it. I think most people probably have. Um, That's good. I think people are getting excited about that one. A tr- one trailer people are not getting excited about, uh, the trailer for A Dog's Way Home. Uh, <laughs> it's hard I to get excited. <laughs> I saw this in the theater recently, and oh my God, it's it's truly atrocious. So if you're looking for a laugh, Go check out the trailer for Dog's Way Home. Oh, maybe uh, a cry, too. I mean, maybe a cry. You might just you weep might... for Bryce Dallas Howard for a minute. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. it would be totally justified. She deserves better than this movie. Yeah. You might, you might get a laugh. You might get a cry. We, we'll find out. But you, you'll get some sort of reaction. It's probably not the reaction they're looking for either way. Just keep in mind while uh, you watch the trailer that it this movie is written by the same man who wrote. A dog's purpose. Yeah. This guy's really got a thing for dogs. He just Which, loves I mean, dogs. Who doesn't? But, you know, I don't write something's like four different off movies, with this love of dogs. <laughs> right. Right. It's a strange love of dogs. Yes. This thing, it basically looks like um, a less interesting remake of Homer Bound. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Not, but like, not even funny. So, no, uh, and this time the cat has been replaced by a CGI puma. So, oh god, yes, please at least watch this for the CGI puma. Trust me, it is so worth it. It's uh, it's very CGI. I will say it that is, it is definitely that. It is definitely that. Um, all right. Um, oh, also, uh, Sylvester Stallone. This was a, a little further back, but Sylvester Stallone announced that he is done with the Rocky series. Um, and also he recent, more recently announced that he's done with Rambo too. Yeah. So he's, uh, he's basically writing himself out of these, um, prominent franchises he's been in. Oh, um, I mean, that's the just, end of an era. That's, you know. yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it's been pretty impressive to see him keep make, keep those going year after year and still, um, have something to say, keep people coming back to watch them. You know, I don't, I feel like they haven't really made any embarrassing entries in those franchises recently. You know, people still find them interesting. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. Yeah, it'll be sad, sad to see the characters go, but I, I totally get it. Yeah, it's it's good to to know when to quit sometimes. I guess right. You know, uh, those are both pretty active roles for him maybe he's trying to be a little more laid back although i'm sure we'll see him in expendables some more oh god (laughs) (laughs) oh expendables yeah you didn't have to bring that up oh uh, i'm sorry Uh, we'll we'll cut that we we won't leave that in (laughs) we'll we'll pretend the expendables don't exist the expendables are fake they're expendable that's the whole idea right yeah and then uh, most recent news that we've gotten is the uh, the Golden Globe nominations are out. We had a bunch of thoughts about those, and uh, we released a standalone episode, just sort of a quickie, uh, talking about our thoughts on those. So hopefully that's already been released, and you can go check that out as well. Absolutely. Please give it a listen. Uh, we had a lot to say on yeah. some of it. Some of it, others we had barely anything to say because 
not all the movies are out yet. So right, but we we will give you our thoughts on what we have seen for sure, as always. Yeah, and um, coming up in this next week, we have a couple movies planned out to see already. Uh, I know I'm personally planning on seeing the favorite um, alongside a full tea service at the Alamo Draft House. That's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm super jealous of the your your tea showings that you get to do. I don't have those, but I will be seeing the yeah. favorite this weekend. Yeah, so we'll both be checking that out. I'm going to see Anna and the Apocalypse sometime soon. That's finally coming out here, um, so we should both be able to discuss that soon. Yeah. And then also um, Alfonso Caron's film Roma is going to be opening next week. Yep. So uh, maybe if luck has it, we'll be able to check that out as well. We'll see. That would be awesome. Uh, we've got Mary Queen of Scots opening this weekend. Uh, yeah. That is happening. And the new Natalie Portman uh, movie, Vox Lux, is opening this weekend as well. So there are a few things coming our way. Uh, nothing nothing super major yet. We haven't hit those like holiday season blockbusters that happen right. at Christmas just yet. Yeah, we're still all eagerly awaiting Aquaman. So uh, eagerly, I guess, is a choice. Eagerly, we're eagerly awaiting Aquaman season to be over. Perhaps <laughs> I just, but, I'm uh, definitely ready to stop hearing that laugh. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I'm down to hear hear that joke about redheads. Stop, just like over being, and over. Yeah. Okay, yeah, and that was our obligatory touching on the Aquaman trailer. So and can't wait till it's out and we can actually just talk about it. (laughs) Yeah, it's coming. It's coming. Just wait. (laughs) Um, yeah. So with that, uh, I think that's it for this week. It's been fun rapping about movies with you. Yeah, and we'll see you next week, and uh, we'll see you at the movies. See you at the movies.